Hi, I'm Stuart McLeod, CEO and co-founder of Carbon. Welcome to the Accounting Leaders Podcast, the show where I go behind the scenes with the world's top accounting leaders. Today, I'm joined by Matthew May, founder and VP of Sales and Marketing at Acuity, a virtual accounting solution for entrepreneurs. One of Matthew's strengths is navigating tax and accounting rules and translating them from accounting language to entrepreneur language. He's a volunteer in the Georgia technology community and part of the board of the Atlanta Technology Angels. It's my pleasure to welcome to the Accounting Leaders podcast, Matthew May. Hey, Stuart. How are you today? Good, thanks, Matthew. Nice to see you. We're doing our first million dollar month this month. So we're there really... There you go. That doesn't suck. In terms of recurring, how do you class your revenue? Like recurring revenue? No, that was just a gross revenue, like an overall gross, revenue, yeah. but like... Uh, so it's relatively recurring, though. So it's good. <laughs> Until you fire him, right? Yeah. So it's great. So and and Kenji said you got about hundred and thirty odd staff now. It's hundred fifty right now. There you go. We're playing. Um, who can hire more people? <laughs> We're pacing at like five a month last year. I think is what we did. Yeah, and one a week. So you're pretty, so you're pretty steady on that. Mm-hmm. Pretty steady. So Rather between than, turnover and growth, you know. Yeah, yeah. And he said all, all remote, <laughs> more or less. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, how have you been? How's the family? How's Atlanta? Been good. We got, uh, I got one in college now. So that's been the biggest adjustment this year. So that's why you need your, your million dollar month because to pay the school fees, right? <laughs> <laughs> And, and what what are they, are they studying accounting in college? Have you managed to influence the uptake of accountants in university? <laughs> I can safely say this one will not study accounting in college. <laughs> they're, they're not quite built that way. No, he's not built that way. My daughter might be, but like, uh, yeah, he won't be. He won't be studying accounting. I don't think so. <laughs> and uh, uh, Maryland, did I read that correctly? College of Maryland. Yeah, University of Maryland, College Park, right outside of Washington D.C. Wow. So, but right, right in the thick of it. Yep. Well, big city to big city. Yeah. So. Yeah. And how long have you been in Atlanta? We're about thirteen years in Atlanta now. And the um, acuity took you there, or that was that was no. just sort of, no no. I followed a woman, my wife's job, Laura. She ended up here. I was with Ernst & Young when we moved here. So I've only done Acuity. I'm on year nine, mm. just over half of uh, Acuity's life, I believe. So I think Kenji's on year 18. Right. Okay. Okay. So, uh, and what have you learned over those nine years, Matthew? Give me the wisdom of your nine years with Kenji and Acuity. <laughs> oh, what have I learned about Kenji or myself? <laughs> all like, all uh, of the above. All of the above, please. I'm glad I did this with a business partner. That is a huge takeaway. My dad was a small business owner, but he never had a partner. And he had two failed partnerships. So I actually thought that he would discourage me having a partner. And he said, no, no, no. You need somebody to have for the highs and the lows. So that was the biggest probably single takeaway that I have from the last nine years is it's uh, it's really helpful in both the good times and the bad to have a partner so you can share those times with them. So, and the good is as important as the bad is the irony. Mm. The loneliest place in the world is to be a, a single business owner and have something incredibly successful happen and you really can't <laughs> talk about it. You can't like, you don't really have a, there's no celebration. There's no yeah. culmination of that. It's an interesting weird thing that uh, people yes. don't realize, I think. Yeah. yeah. We, did you play team? We'll, we'll come back to what you learned about uh, yourself and uh, Kenji and, and probably Acuity. Uh, I'll keep going on that line of question. But did you play team sports at college? Uh, not at college. I was a runt. So when I started college, I was 125 pounds <laughs> soaking wet. So, <laughs> so I looked much different physically. So I, I was a late bloomer, as they say in the States. As they say, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I didn't play college sports, but I was always a team sports fan. I, I played every sport that I could play, soccer, basketball, baseball, anything where a 125-pound person that was six foot tall couldn't get snapped in half like football. That would be, a, I was out at football. So Yeah, I, I can relate. I, I spent... Uh, what you would say my uh, senior year in high school during uh, 
exams in the ER at the local hospital, having um, uh, come off second best in a pack, we say, with a knee that broke four ribs, ruptured my spleen and punctured both lungs. (laughs) That wasn't the most fun I've ever had, let me tell you. (laughs) You don't advise that for other people? Like, hey, (laughs) have this fun experience. (laughs) But the point of that question was, and, you know, I I reflect on this a little bit like you do too, is business is not like team sports, you know. it's You don't get to sort of, you know, go, go out every week and win or lose and kind of build on that experience. It's, it's a constant, you know, it's a forever marathon. And, and I find uh, myself personally that I work best in waves. I work best in, say, you know, seasons or, or quarters or whatever you want to do. And I, I find if I, if I don't have a goal to sort of work towards that is not too far out, I get a bit disillusioned, I get... Uh, perhaps frustrated, and and you don't get to enjoy that that periodic success if if you don't build your business in that in those waves. So there you go. There's my reflection of of team sports versus business. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. We can't handle anything farther out than quarterly. So yeah. we took forever. We've been struggling with a a BHAG forever. And uh, like, what's the BHAG here? What's the BHAG here? And yeah. for those listeners, a big, hairy, audacious goal, yeah, audacious. If, uh, if, you, if you're, not, if you're no, not familiar with that term. But uh, yeah, we finally found one. So that, that kind of resonates. So it's the first time we've had a kind of a longer tomb goal, which is really cool. So mm. what, what have you learned? So, so you learned about yourself that a partner in business is, you know, a really valuable asset. What, what have you learned about Kenji? Tell me, because we'll, now we'll have to post these. Pod- oh, no, we just posted the Kenji podcast, so so you're going to go after that. What have you learned about Kenji in that time? And don't worry, he won't listen. <laughs> it's all right. I know. He knows I talk a lot of smack about him. <laughs> I mean, the biggest thing people, if you don't know Kenji, he has a huge fear of missing out. He has FOMO like nobody has ever had. I've never experienced anybody with that much FOMO in his life. So that works both ways with him. It makes him the life of the party. It makes everybody love Kenji. He's always does all the things, but then he becomes accommodating and then he wants everybody to have fun and be pleasant and stuff like that. So, you know, your weakness is just your uh, strengths that you overdo them. That's my theory. So if you overdo that, his strength, which is everybody loves him and hang out with him, then you get to like be too soft and stuff like that. So but uh, the nice thing about partnerships is like he can be imperfect, I can be imperfect, and as long as we mesh and surround ourselves with people that fill in those gaps, which is what we've done with Lisa and Patty and Scott and and the rest of the team, it's like they fill in a bunch of gaps. And if you're really self-reflective, you can uh, the more self-reflective you are, the better you can fill those gaps and enjoy it. Mm. That doesn't allow you to like dismiss those things. That's a big mistake nah. I see people make. You kind of still have to be aware of them and lean into some of the things and be intentional or uncomfortable a little bit for your natural stuff, but or your natural proclivities, you'll say. But it's still important to fill those gaps and not kind of absolve yourselves of those things also. So there's kind of two extremes, right? You can fill yeah. the gap and say, I'm not responsible for oh, that anymore. Yeah. I can continue to, to just be an asshole. Oh, but, <laughs> because uh, this person's super nice. Yeah. Is that what you mean? So, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's one of the examples. Like when you have like uh, bad cops and good cops, you go like, I can still yeah. be the asshole. And yeah. that doesn't work that way. You got to fill it out and then like find a way to be intentional to support that person and also make sure that your weakness doesn't shine through and overcome that, yeah. that kind of plug that you put in place. So. Yeah. No, yeah, no, that, that's why Ian is a super nice guy at Carbon, right? Because I'm the asshole and, and, and he's he's just lovely. <laughs> yeah, I was always the nice guy until I became partners with Kenji and then I became the asshole all of a sudden. It's like, <laughs> I don't know go. how that works. He just, uh, like, I became bad cop. It's the worst thing ever. I was like the nice partner at Cherry Beckert. I was like the nice guy. I was like, oh, everybody likes Matthew. You go do the recruiting and talk to everything, the fun stuff. You have a problem, talk to Matthew. Now it's like, ooh, Matthew. Like, <laughs> I don't know, like, I'm the sa- same exact guy. I've never had that problem. <laughs> yeah. So. No, nobody's ever said that about me but i think you'd make a good recruiter in the uh you know on the stand there at the booth at the ey's desk and answer the questions of the grads man i tell you i was all over baylor recruiting and ut recruiting and a&m recruiting in the texas markets i was like 
they would send me out there. I was the closer. I would get them to say yes, yeah, come they, work here. Yeah. I like, I would snow them over, yeah, you know, like with uh, my salesmanship. So it's like, That's fantastic. yeah, it's pretty funny. That, that were the days, right? And so, uh, okay. And so, what have you learned about the business security in those nine years? Uh, growth is expensive. <laughs> I mean, we took this thing from you know, a million bucks run rate to yeah. over, will be uh, kind of somewhere around 11 this year. Like in the years that, you know, we grew the most were the hardest from a cash flow perspective, if you're not going to take investors, right? It's just really hard to bootstrap mm-hmm. growth. That's really a yeah. huge thing. As a leader, you got to, the other thing, you got to develop skills that are changing all the time. The skills you need to be a leader at 10 people. When when I started with yeah. 10 people is way different yeah. than at, at 50. There's a big cliff. Yeah. And at yeah. 150, it's it's just a totally different game. Yeah. Not game, but it's a skill yeah, yeah. set needed to... Yeah. It's a different role. It's a different role, right? Like you might be the same person filling that role, but it's a different skill set, a different set of objectives, a different set of requirements, a different relationship set, all of that, right? Yeah, and change management's just a unbelievably important skill to learn as you scale. Communication is or 90% of every problem you have. <laughs> what else can I tell you? Like <laughs> just the, yeah, no, that's the basic stuff. I'm, I'm taking notes. I'm taking notes, Matthew. <laughs> right. Like I mean, I, you could probably say that in the technology business. I bet 90% of your problems are also technology related. I mean, communication related. It's all communication at the end of the day. So we're not on the same page, you know? Yeah. And by, by saying not on the same page, align Alignment is the most difficult thing to that I find to achieve in a high growth organization. And and there are many mechanisms in order to be able to achieve that. All of them are just fucking hard. <laughs> yeah. They're really hard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I tell people like when they say, like, how did you lose, you know, however many people, like how like with in the Great Resignation, like, how do you lose that? I was like, well, you have to start with the realization is my company is growing at this speed and people's abilities yeah. are growing at 150 yeah. different speeds and yeah. the likelihood yeah. of that becoming disaligned with 150 people and I'm only growing at one pace is 100%. <laughs> it's 100%. It's absolutely 100%. 100%. So fucking frustrating, isn't it? I mean, I tell people like, do you get upset with that? Like, it's like I ask people when they say they, they're thinking about leaving, I ask them one question yeah. that yeah. they have to answer me. And it's like, is this better for your family? Yeah. Like that is the answer yeah. is if they answer that question that this is better for their family. Like I stop, yeah, like yeah. I understand yeah. we're growing yeah. at different paces. Yeah. I want you to be here. Yeah. But like, if that's better for your family, like, did you make acuity better? You know, like I was like, I asked everybody one thing, like you just make acuity better when you leave than when you started. And we'll make the commitment to yeah. try to make you better when you leave than when you started. Right. Yeah. And then we all make yeah. the commitment to make our clients better when they leave than when they started. <laughs> so that's as simple as it gets. That's like, that's my core. Yeah. Like I try to always go back to that. Like those three things, yeah. if we're doing those three things all the time, we're doing something right. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. So there's a couple of things I want to pick up there, right? Uh, you said growth is expensive. So you're in, you're in the middle of you know, probably the, the well, you, you're at the forefront of the transformation of the accounting industry. So, to, you know, to recurring revenue, to treating, you know, customers and clients more like, like partners that, that, you know, the fit that I'm sure goes without saying, I'm sure your time billing versus your fixed fee is is a very low ratio. But or and, you know, it's well it's in the technology industry and in, in our software business, it is relatively easy to raise capital to fund that growth. Have you seen a change of availability of capital in professional services in your model? Do you think you've managed to educate enough investors or have you tried to educate investors uh, around that the models are actually similar, barring the the cost of goods, (laughs) you know, compared to a technology, a software business? Do you think that that is, is a thing or not a thing? We have tried to help educate people and we've seen people like Pilot, who we compare ourselves to, or Bench, you know, raise these monies. And if you go, we're like, if we go head to head, like I was like on G2 crowd the other day and it's like Pilot, Bench, Acuity. Like those were like the three comparisons that that were aired. I was like, those two companies, we haven't seen 
the same success of the market moving towards their valuations. Yeah. So there's a couple of schools of thought on that. I was like, I think part of it, the traditional investors in the space are anchored at the current valuations, right? Yeah. But we are seeing much more private equity come into this space. So yeah. with some of the yeah. top firms now having yeah. liquidity events and carving yeah. out audit practices and tax and yeah. uh, tax and everything well, else comes through the private equity firm, right? Yeah. So yeah. we're seeing lots more opportunities, but we haven't seen, I haven't seen any kind of real valuation changes in the space yeah. that are letter landmark driven. And I've seen some of the companies that tried to follow Bench and Pilot. There's uh, like, I think, Ceteris is going through a leadership change now and, and I'm watching them because they had a similar valuation. I think, uh, I'm not sure what that valuation was, but I assume because it was venture, it was more closer to pension yeah. pilot than the private equity valuations. Yeah. So we're trying to watch some of those and see what happens, but it's um, you're still seeing primarily just private equity firms buying out firms. Yeah. I'm seeing people not get off that one times revenue mark, but yeah. cash flow is different. Yeah, but uh, cash, we'll see. Cash flows, different margins are different. That's 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 the biggest difference, right? The margin, you know, is is never going to be eighty three, eighty four, eighty five percent. That's that's the hardest thing. No, it's not. It's a. Uh, I mean, if you can get to a forty percent margin business, I think if you're counting everything, I think. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny how people count stuff differently. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm a forty percent ma margin yeah. business. If you don't count my time and I do ninety percent <laughs> of the work, yeah. <laughs> Great. So yeah. we've been uh, trying to get clean margins really now. We really in the last three years trying to really clean up the margins, really understand the people doing the work, making sure their cost is fully loaded into the margins. And mm -hmm. it's interesting. So, you know, the different service levels that we see. So we do the CFO advisory all the way down to the bookkeeping. And then we added tax a couple years ago. And then we have a controller practice. So four practices, the margins are real different on all, all four for us. So it's really interesting mm. to see i see some of the the market kind of where you can do some no code stuff in bookkeeping and you can do yeah. some cool stuff to really get the margins up in bookkeeping so i see why pilot and bench have that but i also see them adding other services i see them adding yeah. tax i see pilot have a cfo services like so they've got the same margin problems you know as, yeah. as us so it's, it'll be fascinating yeah. to see what they do on their next rounds and uh obviously a venture capital raise, as I tell my clients, because we work with a lot of V, that's just yeah. setting the uh, preference stack. <laughs> so <laughs> at the end of the day, uh, that's yeah. just a press release. If you don't take money off the table, that's just a press release and a point in time. So yeah, uh, yeah. don't count your chickens yeah. before they hatch there. So. And you, you, <laughs> or as we say in our family, don't count your cows. The um, <laughs> You don't want to find yourself on the bottom of the preference stack at liquidity either. <laughs> no, no. That was our, I mean, hesitation when Pilot and Bench were doing their things is we think those pref stacks are pretty damn high. And yeah. if the private equity, who is t typically the people that buy those VCs out, isn't yeah. coming in, their valuations aren't coming up, I don't know yeah. how they're getting out. And so yeah. it's yeah, a tough all sell. Hard, all that hard work for everything, right? For nothing. Yeah. yeah it's no, just interesting. <laughs> we, uh, one, one other thing I wanted to come back with to... Ah, the Great Resignation, yes. Well, isn't that a thing, right? Matthew, comment. <laughs> wow. I mean, so the biggest thing with the Great Resignation that I'm seeing is a more troubling trend from a personal perspective. I just have this struggle with where we're seeing an inordinate amount of people quitting on like a day notice, two days notice, mm. less than a week notice, like just as a trend. Uh, in a mm. professional service industry that's usually not done that, which is just, that's just an odd, mm. for perspective, when I came to Acuity, I had a 90-day notice that I yes. gave. So I'm like, that's yeah. my perspective, right? Like, yeah. two weeks yeah. is, like, totally sufficient for a transition for a sustainable company. But, like, any, like, less than that, I, it's just an interesting trend. That's the most bit, troubling trend. I think you can't... disrespected, perhaps, in that scenario? I feel old in that scenario. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm way old school. I feel like I'm, oh, am I becoming like that, like older generation? But the people that are quitting are my generation. They're not the younger generation. Most of, I'm kind of average age at Acuity from, uh, or even on the, 
on the young end at 47. So like our average age is... You look much much younger than 47, Matthew. For a podcast audience, that's easy to say. (laughs) I bet if we did our average age, it's about 50 at Acuity. So like we haven't had the Gen Z, Gen Y influx yet. So we're mostly Gen X and older here. We're starting to see some Gen Ys, but no Gen Zs for sure. Mm. So we're interested in seeing what happens there. Mm. But... I think really interesting with the Grazit resignation is a lot of people are just reevaluating what's important to them. And when that happens, I think you got to double down on your value prop. And for us at Acuity, yes. it's flexibility. Like we yep. provide flexible lives with people that want to have families and mm. do that. And um, mm. Mm. when you're competing against somebody that can pay more, like that's yep. not our value prop, right? We're yeah. Our clients are the, the the smallest of the S's in the SMBs, right? Yeah. They're never yeah. going to pay Ernst & Young rates here, so we no. can't pay Ernst & Young wages. Yeah. So we've built our company based on flexibility. So it's really hard not to stray from that, I would say, during yeah. the great resignation and like to be tempted to like match every offer or yeah. do whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think we've done a really good job doubling down and we've had some tough, tough losses on people that we really, really wish were still here. But again, mm. it was better for their families and I can't argue with that, right? Yeah. I don't understand the sustainability models that those other companies they went to had. I hope they're great. I hope that yeah. if there's a downturn, those people aren't the first one on the block, which is my concern yeah. for them. Yeah. Especially the Goldman report coming out that said like in the next two years, they're saying there's a 35% chance of a recession. I know everybody's been saying that, but Goldman coming out with that a couple of weeks ago is like, I've been worried about it. I haven't seen anybody put something out that stark about it, but yeah. it's interesting. And there's, on the back of that, there's, you know, the VC space is sort of that, those articles that start coming out every three or four years that say, oh, you know, VCs are encouraging conserving cash and it all becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Speaking of Goldman, what I really loved about, not that article, but the um, the chairman or CEO, or I can't remember his title, but, but he, he came out and said, you know, we are a five-day-a-week-in-the-office company and we, we're going to double down on that. We are a five-day in our value prop, our, our compelling reason that our clients pay exorbitant fucking fees is because we are a great company and a great company built by human interaction and a great company that that has a hiring model that is, you know, 3,000 graduates out of business school every year, you know, 30% of which say and 70% of which go off into the universe and do great things. And I think it's not only, and then, you know, from the follow-on, I was, well, we're all going to quit, we're all going to quit. And he's like, well, go on, fuck off then. You know, go and work for a company that uh, allows you that flexibility. He's never said something that he's not, and that's what I really love about it. Would I want to work there? No. Would, would I encourage my, well, would you encourage your, your college graduate to work there? I don't know. Um, maybe, I, I, maybe not, I, but. <laughs> I, I probably would, you know. Yeah. I, I just know that, like, just because I see how beneficial that is for the new, new early bloomers yeah. to, like, have that yeah. mentorship live. Completely. I think that's what I'm talking about. It's like, I think that's the right thing to do. Like, yeah. accept the risk. Like, own it. Yes. Accept yeah. the risk and go. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's what we're yeah. doing. And yeah. so. And if, if it's not for you, don't apply. Don't be there. That's fine. Right, but don't pretend. So the worst ones are, I reckon, is when you pretend you're something you're not, when you bait and switch, right? Oh, we're a one or two day a week in the office type of company. And then, you know, those that are turning up three or four or five are granted the promotions, are granted favours, are grant, you know, granted the, the pathway in that organisation against the ones and twos that, hang on a minute, you said six months ago you are a one and two day a week organisation. I think that that's the bullshit that, that I think is ingenuous, disingenuous and will lead to greater cultural problems not only for yourself, but also the industry that you represent if it becomes a, a thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think the next three to five years is going to be just fascinating because we'll have time to, like, COVID's going to be behind us, knock on wood, like from, yeah. a, from a tragedy <laughs> perspective or from, like a, yeah. from a crisis perspective. Like, we're out of yeah. crisis mode, right? So now we got to live with 
the new world. So yeah. we'll do that. There's a potential, you know, if there's a recession, like like we've got all these things yeah. coming over the well, next three to five years that'll like it, sort itself out. It's really gonna be fascinating. Inflation is driving interest rates already, right? So inflation, we're gonna have to deal with it. Yeah. Interest rates are uh, like everything, right? It's just yeah. Uh, yeah, not completely. No, and you know, to your point, so acuities we're flexible is Goldman's. We're fucking not. <laughs> And it's right. great. Just, just, say, just say what you are, and be, and and you do you, <laughs> and be right. proud of it, known it. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't brown it that way for him. I would brown it that we we're like we're investing in our people, and we need <laughs> our course. people here. But like he I'm could spin it. <laughs> he, he could, he, he could spin I'm it. I'm Goldman's marketing team, so I don't have to worry about. It. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm pretty sure he doesn't listen to the podcast. I could be wrong though. Could be wrong. We're okay. gaining. We're gaining at least a, a person a day at the moment. Awesome. <laughs> I mean, a week. You know, my mum listened twice. The um. <laughs> now, tell me, what's on your five-year plan for acuity, and and how do you see uh, the accounting industry in terms of perhaps let's just start with technology uh, playing out? Well, I think, I mean, obviously joining up with. Um, Patty and Scott and the Catching Clouds team is a is a huge bet for us on kind of the no code movement and process and, and standardization to be able to prepare ourselves for robot process automation. No code Zapier is unbelievably powerful when you pair it with Airtable and a system like Salesforce, like we have. Like we're seeing the things that we can do are just phenomenal. So we're just trying to, we're really trying to prepare for that. And we're really making our decisions based on those things Mm. to be able to have what does a good job in accounting look like in five years and not getting left behind with the technology. Yeah. So I think that's been a huge thing for us. And I think, you know, not enough firms are are taking enough risks to be prepared for 10 years from now. It might not be five years from now, but 2030, like I'm telling you. Like it's going to be really interesting. Technology just mm. moves so fast. I mean, this mm. this mm. what is it? Moore's law over the five years, yeah, yeah, everything yeah, doubles. Yeah. Like it's just like imagine. I mean, we got two doubles coming up before twenty thirty. About and <laughs> maybe, like, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like you got to be ready. You got to be ready. Yeah. Like things are getting smarter. We've got to continue to build great jobs for people if you're going to be in a services business right so and how did the the catching tell us about the catching clouds acquisition what was what, what the thought process how did that come together well i mean i we had one acquisition we did before that and catching clouds really is more of a merger i would call it i don't want to split hairs but the way that came about was i mean to kenji's credit he had built a six-year relationship with the sharps patty and scott mm-hmm. there's some people we had kept our eyes on on like in the e-commerce space in particular, that we yeah. try to model after it in that space. I think from their perspective, you know, there was some from talking to them is that they were interested in having a deeper bench from a support perspective on the, the and we had built that on, we had kind of been through that at this, like they were at the 25 person inflection point, you know, like yeah. where you like still yeah. didn't have a management team to support you. Yeah. And we had yeah. kind of pushed through that at 50 and they saw yeah. that when they met our management team, and the leadership team that they would have some support and be able to try to do what they were doing at scale in in some in some select industries. We're still not in all the industries, but like tech, e-com, marketing services, and crypto all kind of like those are all really progressive entrepreneurs and business owners typically. So when we were doing our BHAG and we were meeting in our executive retreat, and that's there's five of us on the exec team, we were like, we finally settled on a BHAG. We're like, we love working with entrepreneurs. It's like, how do yeah. we get to where we we're working with at least five thousand entrepreneurs by twenty thirty? Yeah, and so that became our big hag, which was the coolest thing. Revenue goals didn't sound very fun. None of us get real jazzed yeah. about that. Like for yeah. as big of accountants as four of us are, like like none of, <laughs> like that just doesn't jazz us up at all. Yeah, like and growth for the sake of growth doesn't do it. But like when we start helping people, like that just gets really exciting. So we finally had a big hag that mattered. But so um, restate your BHAG for us. Our BHAG is by 2030, we will have helped 5,000 entrepreneurs in their businesses. So we've got some plans and fun stuff in, in, in store for some of our employees for this year's AcuityCon. We get everybody together because we're a virtual team once a year at AcuityCon. 
And so we're going to celebrate kind of the milestone at each Acuity Con every year mm. and, and kind of demark where we are. We'll try to figure that out. We'll probably, we'll yeah. probably stop it. You know, we'll probably pick a point a couple months before maybe June 30th or something where we pick yeah. whatever our, our, our entrepreneur account was there. And then we'll kind of uh, share that with everybody and yeah. do some celebrations so, around so that every year. That's yeah. And yeah, so continue on the, uh, the merger. How, how, how did it sort of get Kenji and establish this oh, relationship and then just share yeah. a whole lot of values together, right? Like it's similar businesses, similar mindset. Yeah, they've known each other for about six years. I think they met, I think, when I think Scott and Kenji crossed over at XPAC on the Zero Advisor Council. And then I think they crossed or like he was coming off, Scott was coming off when Kenji was coming off on or something like that. And then Patty and Kenji were in accounting salon together for years. So they had this long relationship where there was this uh, trust established. So when Mm. Patty and Scott kind of hit this inflection point where they really wanted to have more of a team, more of a bench from the management mm. perspective. They had a great team on the execution side. They brought it up in June. We would put a deal together by August. Yep. I mean, it was, that's, it was that's great. That's uh, accountants. So, yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> we probably could have done it by July, uh, except they kind of like, we moved a little too quick for them. And they're like, yeah. wait, 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 we got to fill your outer yeah. options. Yeah. We got to wait. That's right. more like it. <laughs> so uh, we spooked them. I was like, if you want to do this fast, I'll tell you how to do it fast. And we told them yeah. and then they, nobody else moved that fast. So then they're like, oh, I got to figure out what we're worth and stuff like that. And yeah, but uh at the end of the day, it came down to trust when we, for that being successful. We also learned a lot from our first acquisition. Yeah, when we talk about alignment, Stuart, like we had built a very protective kind of agreement that was really disaligned with our counterparty. And um, right. I feel like, and we ended up ultimately unwinding it and coming up with a more fair deal later. Yeah. So we learned a lot from that. So it's really interesting, you, you know, as a business, when you're negotiating a business contract, it's easy for me to slip into like negotiation mode and try to get yeah. the best deal for us. Man, alignment yeah. on yeah. the merger was a huge yeah. ass deal. <laughs> like it was about getting to a fair deal and not the best deal for us at that time. Yeah. Because we were going for, a, in a merger, you're going for a we afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Like, a, yeah. and it, it was an important, like I would not have, had we would not have had the same experience if we had not made some mistakes in the acquisition before and trying to yeah. kind of build the best deal possible right yeah yeah so yeah. what about and, and how's that gone since then so from reading between the lines i think you learn from that first experience and and then you know the sec the second one's gone more better yeah, I mean, we learned from both acquisitions that acquisition growth in this space is more expensive than our organic growth. <laughs> it's really interesting. Like we can acquire mm. customers uh, somewhere between a third and half the cost that we can acquire customers, even at the current valuations. You know, we talked yeah. about valuations in this space being relatively low compared to software. Yeah. yeah. Well, part of the reason is, is that I can acquire customers for a third to half the cost for that yeah. organically. Yeah. So yeah. unless you can get a fully functional team that will like convert over to your processes immediately, yeah. like yeah. acquisitions stop looking very attractive, I think, from a valuation mm. perspective. Mm. What'll be interesting to see if some of us can actually get to like a critical mass size on yeah. the client advisory services side. Because I mean, even us, like in a, for a software company, I mean, we're going to hit 11 this year, 11 in revenue. And like, yeah. I mean, that doesn't get real people are real excited in the software business. Like you got to be hundred million revenue, like 40 million revenue. Like there's just not a lot of CAS firms, right. That are out there hitting those numbers right now at at, at any kind of growth rate. Right. So that's part of the valuation thing is valuation is part margins, part revenue, but it's a lot growth rate. Yeah. Right. Yeah. How fast can you scale? Yeah. So until somebody starts fixing that, it'll be interesting. I think, that's something some of the VC back companies are struggling right now with a little bit of scale and growth. I, so. I mean, just the, the the complexity of onboarding is so much more, and acquisition is so much more difficult in professional services than it is in software. I mean, there's just no fucking getting around that, right? It's not. So, what about? Well, that's a good lead into you know, Acuity is one of the very, 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 very few software uh, software businesses. Accounting businesses, accounting firms that actually knows that even knows how to spell sales, 
let alone has a, a BD team and a marketing and a go-to-market engine, if you want to call it that. Tell me about how that came about and and your learnings over the years about go to go to market. Well, I mean, it's our client's fault, right? We serve the SaaS text <laughs> clients. Like I'm the tech CPA on Twitter. That's a, like I yeah. always serve SaaS clients. So the only sales things I knew, really, I knew the, their sales departments better than uh, we knew like how to do it uh, in a professional services model. You know, and I actually ended up being an okay salesperson in the professional service model and kind of the traditional relationship sales model. But one of the problems I had at Cherry Becker, where I was an audit partner, is I had some success in some sales. A lot of that was due to the MP there at the time that really kind of helped me figure out what was going on and trained me. And I think I got a lot. He teed a bunch of stuff up for me, too. Like he, he put a lot of guardrails around me and made me successful. But what was crazy there is the way the public accounting business works is you build your own book of business and then you're you're like full. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, right. Okay. You don't like be like, okay, let's go like a line let's, partner let's does find, not go and like another million dollars. <laughs> yeah. Like so my book was two point Weird. whatever, two point two million or something, my second year's partner, and you're like whoa, like, where do I put I can't it? do anymore. Yeah. Like, it's not scalable <laughs> at all, right? Well, then even if, even if I had yeah. another partner to do it with, we don't yeah. have another senior manager because we had to hire that person 10 years ago and train him for 10 years, <laughs> right? Like, you can't bring it in. So that's kind of one of the weird dynamics. I realized that I was like, okay, relationship sales is not what I want to do. A yeah. is not building enterprise value and yeah. it's limited by me. Right. Yeah. So, so, imagine, so the go, soft- imagine going to business school, though, you know, business school, Harvard Business School, your first day there, right? And you get up and say, I know, I know all about this stuff. I've got this model that doesn't grow, <laughs> that it depends on me, <laughs> that if I quit, it disappears entirely, uh, that the margins are shit, <laughs> that the people that are executing the work take 10 years to train. And if, uh, and it's high risk and high cost of insurance. What yeah. do you think, people? Should we all go and do that? Yeah, that's that's why they carved the that's why they carved the audit practice out of the private equity deal. Just notice that. Not if you're an auditor, right. listen to this. I'm sorry, I, I, I've recovered We're nine just, years. We've just given you PTSD. Yeah. Well, I mean, when we started building our sales team, we actually. Because we had been based in Atlanta, we didn't let the sales team sell to Atlanta companies. So we give you yeah, every other the risk. Yeah, yeah. We give you every other market. We're like, we want to yeah. know if transactional sales can work in this business. Yeah. Like if people oh, would... so not for the risk, but because you haven't you're not doing Rolodex selling. Yeah. I mean like we don't yeah. want people like, Oh yeah, I know Matthew, I'll sign up. Oh, I know yeah, Kenji, exactly. I'll sign up. Yeah. We were like, Yeah, nope. Go no. anywhere else. Nobody yeah. knows us anywhere else. Yeah. Go yeah. see if that model works. If that works, yeah. that's a sustainable sales model. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was two years after we built that model, we were like, okay, you can sell Atlanta now. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. it's pretty funny. But we have a yeah. like a typical SaaS sales model. We have BDRs that set appointments for account executives. None of those people are accountants. That is their mm-hmm. job to do sales. And then we have a marketing mm-hmm. team that fills the funnel. And if those funnels, mm-hmm. that we have a drip marketing campaigns, if those convert, mm-hmm. they convert on the website to appointments, then we run the process on the sales side. So it's against like most people's being to not be involved in the sales process in this industry for some reason. Like it's like, oh, I can't, they can't scope it right or it's too complicated or like I want to know my clients. I want them to be able to pick up the phone and call me. And I'm like, I don't want them to call me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 But by the same token, you you sort of like, oh, you don't want to be, well, you don't want to really have to sell a lot of ticket. Or maybe you do. Maybe you do. I mean, in our experience, I'll rephrase, in our experience, we can edit that bit out. In our experience, most of our customers come to us and say, look, you know, we, we don't want our customers logging a ticket for help with their payroll. We, they want one throat to choke. Yeah, but we, it doesn't have to be my throat. No, right? no, that's like, right. Like as nice as yours is, it can be anybody else's but mine. <laughs> like, I don't mind stepping in if somebody's trying to choke one of my people and say, no, you can't yeah. do that. Like, yeah. I frequently, yeah. Kenji and I both get to do that. Lisa does a ton of that right now. 
So uh, stepping in between in those uncomfortable situations, but we don't have that traditional model to where like there's a partner and there's a manager and there's a staff and then like you got to go up the chain and there's escalation. We have much flatter system. (laughs) So, yeah. What's in, in, uh, I don't want to give you to give away all your secrets, but by the same token, I mean, virtually no uh, firms think in this, in this paradigm. What's been some of the most successful techniques, or uh, or and what you know? What is your ideal client? Uh, well, I think I figured out one qualifying question for our Good. ICPs. Yeah. yeah. Do you use Slack? Right. There you go. So if they're on Slack, you're likely to close. So if they use Slack, well, we're likely to want to work with them. Like we can yeah. close a lot of stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we have about four ICPs right now that we're having success with. We have a a $1 million e-commerce company. We have a sub $1 million SaaS startup uh, with less than 10 employees that haven't hired their first accountant yet. Mm -hmm. We have a marketing services firm between 20 and 30 people. And then we Mm -hmm. have a business that either fits in one of those categories or a similar category that's trying to use cryptocurrency in their business, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. that's still kind of in the south of 20 people. So 10 to 20 employees trying to use cryptocurrency in their business, and they want to do it correctly, the right way, as compliant Mm. as they can. Mm. So those are our four current verticals right now that we call those verticals. So if you have an ICP, you have a vertical. So that's who we serve right now. Yeah. And that'd be easy to target using sales nav. You can go out, you can do some cold calling, you can, what's your BDR process look like? So our three BDRs, all they do is they take each of those profiles and they mine them yeah. with the different tools we have. Uh, we've used SalesNav before. We've used LinkedIn. We use all different kind of sources, industry. Any of those industries have different sources. And then we're using yeah. a tool. We're testing a tool right now called Apollo that helps with that as well. Yeah. So yeah. we've kicked around lots of tools. We started with SalesLoft, who was also a customer of ours because they started in the next door building. And actually the CEO of sales loss is who like sat on a whiteboard with Kenji. And this is eight years ago, like helping yeah. us sketch out what we do with our BDR and uh, uh, SDR go. team nice. and, and our A team. So those people, they each identify 10 of those prospects every day. We don't buy lists. They identify the 10 prospects. Yeah. And yeah. then we run what they call, I think we're running right now a five by eight. So in eight business days, we have five touches, usually yeah. three emails and two phone calls. And then from there, we convert them to a drip campaign and we try to convert that. The drip campaign is like a 12 email series that mixes up a marketing kind of helpful touch and then a sales Mm -hmm. touch. Every third one, I think, is about a sales touch. So depending on your LTV and your CAC, I'm going to give you a secret, Matthew May. Okay. You ready? This will change your life. Okay. Two words, direct mail. Direct mail. Yep, there's a because you know why? No prick sends anything anymore in this world, and the, yeah. and the way to and email selling is dead, and the way to sort of break through all the the noise in the world is to send them a package. And what we do is use Zencraft, which is a a plugin that works with Salesforce and the UPS and FedEx and USPS and all of that. And so when that package, so what you do is you uh, send a package. What we do is send socks and say, we want to be the soul of your practice. <laughs> Dad joke there for you. And once that's received, it triggers, we use outreach. And if you want to, I know the guys aren't thrilled with outreach. So if you want to use, if you want to get the sales off guys, a hassle, a change, then you can, you can, I'm sure they'd be thrilled to hear from them. And then the sequence commences, right? And so that warm-up, that direct mail warm-up, costs about you know 50 bucks i guess by the time you write a, le- a little letter in there and uh the other thing we do is is use handwritten have you seen handwritten it's h-a-n-d-w-r-w-y-t-t-e-n and it's a robot with your handwriting right so it looks like a it's a oh. it's a hand, handwritten letter and um yes yeah, so that creates that that is the trigger for the sequence to commence there you go change your life okay we might have to model that one and test it. So we, we test lots of stuff. Good. Uh, my yeah, favorite please. tip that I haven't tried yet is uh, yeah. the giraffe guys actually oh, yeah. do a video and they have a yeah. whiteboard and they put the, the person's yeah. name on the whiteboard. 
and yeah, they do was, a, a one yeah. minute video saying, yes. Hey, da 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 this is what, yeah. and do their value prop. And it, like yeah. most of it's canned, but the whiteboards yeah. the, where they put the thumbnail on. Yeah. And uh, it says, play me, please. It would be like, yeah. Stuart, please Massive. play me. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So it works well. We use Vidyard for that. I think combining, I think email selling is dead, but. Oh, email selling isn't dead, actually, I don't think. So okay, from the oh, from All right. I mean it's one of the main ways we push people to our website. Nobody responds to email. I agree to you, but yeah, it's yeah. one of the number yeah. one conversion ways to get to our website. Yeah, is somebody clicks in an email and it's like, what is that? Yeah, yeah. okay, we can agree on that. What I'm saying so, is like, you know, generating an appointment out of email only sequence is. Uh, very, very difficult. How's that? It can is. Can you agree on that? <laughs> yes. Uh, I can tell you our stat is we convert, I think the stat is 0.3%. Yeah. So we have a 0.3% conversion rate. So we have to put somebody through that process, a thousand people yeah. through that process to, to get, get one back. client, to get three yeah. clients. Yeah. Yeah. So. And so we don't have that many now, Tam. <laughs> So we had to find ways. We'd be done in three days, right? So we we had to find ways (laughs) to be much more selective. So we at Carbon are fish with spears, not nets, right? And so there's a bit of a difference there. And and so we're always juggling this upon the spectrum of uh, quality versus quantity. And what we found is, you know, we have to be right up the quantity end in order. We just don't have the TAM in order to be at the quality end because we'll blow through it so quickly and, you know, to get 0.3 of a percent response, like, it just, the maths don't work. And so your maths are going to be a bit different. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, I mean, I, I could call most of the accountants in Australia, in Australia, God, I've just come back. That's why it's still, thank you, United Airlines, for the gastro. I really appreciate it. But the, <laughs> and so does my family, the, you know, we could nearly call every accountant that is, or every firm that is, say, more than 10 people in the US, you know, like in a year, right? Like it's ridiculous how yep. L-shaped our market is, right? And I wouldn't suggest anybody come into it, but go, go for your life if you want to. You're silly as I am. But you've got a bigger TAM and you can slide up and down that scale a bit easier than us. Yeah, the I want to when going back to what lessons have I learned at Acuity. One of the big ones yeah. is we have grown grown faster every time we've tried to shrink our TAM. So yeah, every exactly. time we've exactly. tried, everybody's like, "Oh, you yeah. only have yeah. four ideal yeah. client profiles." We yeah. grew our fastest when we had one. Yeah, exactly. When so, we so, just had the yeah, tech person, I love it. like I love like it. we grew the it. fastest. I love it. Focus. That's what you know. There's a disturbance in the force at carbon. It's because we lose focus. It's because you know we've tried to do something. We get out of doing our knitting. We stick to your knitting, right? Yeah. So I don't know. Try you know in those four ICPs, you could easily break them down further, right? Like you could break them down by geo. You could right. You know this type of marketing agency, not that type. You know, like it's a fascinating, it's a really enjoyable way. To, uh, well, I find it really enjoyable the way the experiments, the way things coming to come together, the data of it all. I reckon is really fun. <laughs> oh yeah, I've I've literally thought about putting on uh, before you can book an appointment with Tyler, who's our main account executive. And that's uh, if you go to, to talk to Tyler on our website. To putting a qualifying question is, do you use Slack yeah. in your business before yeah, you do right. that? And if go you say yes, it. you get to the calendar. Yes, right, and if you it. and if you say no, <laughs> you're saying Send sorry. We might. <laughs> we're probably not the firm for you. Perfect. Do it. Keep keep cutting it. You know. Keep. I don't know what your top of your funnel numbers are, but it's worthwhile just keeping on. You know, there's always that balance of letting enough people through. But and that's the beauty of getting your top of your funnel going, right? So we're hiring. So you've got three SDRs and 150 people. We're hiring 22 <laughs> at the moment. And because we found in our experiments that, you know, we've got a process that is, so out of that process that I described to you, when we did our experiments, we had 100% hit rate in the firms that we targeted, right, 100%. You know, for a bit of a different 0.3% to 100%. Like, But, you know, it's a time-consuming, relatively expensive, but not... 
not compared to our LTV, right? So I just love the the process of it, the data of it, the outcome and the versus the inputs. So I find it you know really enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's awesome. What about, uh, oh my God, that hour went quick. What's next for you? What are you, what's on, you've got a travel schedule this year? How, how are you oh. seeing 2022 play out? <laughs> I have a, for the first time ever, like the first time I feel like in years, I've, I have an actual travel schedule in, in May. We're in, uh, you know, we got a county web coming up in San Diego. Yeah. Great. I have one of the business groups I'm in. I'm in a small group of other diverse business owners and not accounting owners, so we can get, Things so we're going to South Carolina doing a wedding in New York, then nice, I come back nice. and do an X pack in Denver, and then go back to New York. And then I think we're going to potentially go to AICPA Engage, uh, that kind of book that. So I got five weeks of travel coming up, that's really going to be fun. Just got back from uh, St. Lucia for my wife's birthday, and also oh, nice. I was supposed to check on, on our office there, but I didn't, and they got <laughs> mad at me. They're like, you came all the way to St. Lucia and you didn't come to the office? And I was like, sorry, I was on vacation. It was my wife's birthday. So I will go back there this year to uh, check on the office. But uh, that's kind of the the fun travel coming up. So hopefully that's exciting. So Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, we've got, as you know, we've got our own conference and then we'll be down at Engage. So I hope to catch you then. Hey, Matthew, this has been an absolute pleasure. I I always enjoy catching up with you and, and look oh we didn't even talk we didn't even talk blockchain and crypto this time we can come back we can come back and talk blockchain and crypto we can do that no anytime. i'm fine <laughs> i'm fine my wife tells me i talk about it too much so that's good so. we do i do need to plug your podcast though that's what i need to do oh okay I, I, sure i've listened to it a couple of times my invite must have got lost in the mail somewhere but uh i'm joking <laughs> the um <laughs> thinking while drinking matthew may and Drink, drink while you think. There you go. Drink, drink while, while you think. <laughs> there you go. I've, I've already had three reads say, no, not true. Not true. I haven't. I guess I'll do that for you. The um, Think While You Drink with Matthew May and Kendry Grimoto. You almost got uh, it that time. You almost got it. Drink it while you think. Drink, drink while, while you think. Drink while you think <laughs> with Ken, with <laughs> Fucking hell. Drink <laughs> while you think with Matthew May. And Kenji <laughs> Kuramoto. Did I say that right? You did it great, man. Okay, there we go. Think while you drink with Matthew May. And Kenji nope, Kurumoto. you messed it up second that time. Drink <laughs> while you think. Drink while you think with Matthew May and Kenji Kuramoto. Uh, there you go. I can, I can do it. Watch. Check it out. Yeah. Uh, check it. out you Drink While You Think <laughs> with Matthew May and Kenji Kuramoto. It's on YouTube <laughs> and all the podcast links. So All the places where you get only decent podcasts and some shit ones yeah. too, but the decent ones especially. Matthew, this has been an absolute pleasure. I always love catching up. Thanks for having me, man. I hope, hope to be able to do it in person uh, as soon as possible, as soon as uh, travel schedules align and uh, absolutely do another one that we can talk all the blockchain and crypto in the world. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, Stuart. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you found this discussion interesting, fun, you'll find lots more to help you run a successful accounting firm at Carbon Magazine. There are more than a thousand free resources there, including guides, articles, templates, webinars, and more. Just head to carbonhq.com resources. I'd also love it if you could leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to this podcast. Let us know you like this session. We'll be able to keep bringing you more guests for you to learn from and get inspired by. Thanks for joining and see you in the next episode of the Accounting Leaders Podcast. <laughs>